This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 536, recorded on June 30th, 2022. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way. News reviews, product updates, and conversation tonight. A lot more conversation. All for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios here in a super hot Bellevue, Nebraska. Probably, Marv, not as hot as where you are right now, but pretty close. You're in Orlando, is that right? You're uh, Orlando just, area? Yep, I'm in the Orlando area, uh, actually, Kissimmee, which is more of the Disney area. Okay. So how far are you like the, I know the Orlando convention center. I don't actually know the Disney stuff, but the convention center, I know how close are you to the, the Orlando convention center? We stuff? are probably 30 to 40 minutes from, okay. from that area. All right. Well, and it's probably hot and muggy cause it always is Florida man. Just don't be one of those Florida men, you know, doing something. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, <laughs> nope, not this weekend, but yeah, it's, and it's actually, you know, the middle of the state is different than the coast. So we live on the coast in Fort Lauderdale. So we always have that nice ocean breeze here in the middle of the state. No breeze. Mm-mm. So no. it's, it's pretty. No, hidden. last time I was in Orlando, I spent most of the time in the hotels, you know, it was middle of summer. It was super hot. You just kind of like, Ugh. and it was a, I think, what was I there for? Was tech conference or something, maybe Oracle or something along those lines. And Podfest. And, um, no, because I've only been to one of those. Are you going, uh, at the end of the month? Well, I just went to the or, one last month. Right. That's Podfest. Uh, I don't even know the names anymore. Yeah, that's Podfest. So Podfest was the one you just went to. Then Podcast Movement is coming up right here. Yeah, at the won't end be, of April, won't be doing that one. I just attended a tech conference last week. So I'm kind of booked up through September and October. I've got other conferences. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm not looking to go, like, I haven't come out of the shoot with COVID anxious to really go anywhere for these kinds of things. I know a lot of people have, and hey, good good on you if you want to do these things, but just not I that will, excited about getting on a plane. I will tell you, be careful, because mm. when we left PodFest, several people, mm. and, I, and I don't know what several, you know, I don't know if it's a, a couple of dozen, but a lot of people came down with COVID after yeah. PodFest. Well, funny that you mentioned that. I've been out the last, I don't know, six weeks. We snuck a podcast in with Mark Robson talking about the grill. I'll come back to that here in a few minutes because I have an update for you guys on that. But part of the reason I was out, my mom passed away back oh, a month or five weeks ago, let's say. And we were in Colorado last weekend for a funeral. It's a great time, celebration of life. She was fantastic. My mom was a giant, all those things. And so, and by the way, many of you reached out to me and I just appreciate that. So thank you for your, thanks for your kind words and your condolences and all those things. I, I do deeply appreciate that. It's great to be part of a community where those kinds of things happen. And so thanks um, for doing that. But coming back from that, <laughs> I got a call. We got home Monday afternoon and Tuesday morning, I got a call from my sister. She said, mm, Scott, who's my nephew, definitely had COVID <laughs> while, he, wow. while he was there with us. And, uh, you know, ironically, we had tried for the last two years to keep COVID away from my mom. And so he, of course, brought that there. And and um, I think so my brother and sister were going on a cruise this week and they, of course, had to pass 
to get on a ship now, you got to pass. There's some serious rules, Marv, about yeah. getting on a cruise ship right now, right? So they were fine. No, none of us tested positive. I ordered a whole bunch of kits, testing kits. You can get those th- free now through the uh, through USPS. And um, and so I don't. I think we were all fine, but it, we we too had a COVID. You know, had a what do they call them? Super spreaders. There we go. We had our own super spreader event at my mom's funeral. But again, thanks to everybody. I, I guys, I really appreciate those. Many of you reached out to me. I uh, got a few cards, a uh, few emails, and uh, and greatly um, appreciate it. Well, Marv B is with us. Uh, you've heard him already talk. He's from the IT Business Podcast. And uh, Marv, always great to have you. Welcome back. Well, thanks for having me. Did you catch it all? Mark Robson was on like a thousand years ago, whatever that was. I think three weeks ago. Did you catch? Are you barbecue guy at all? Did you catch any of our barbecue so show? I, I tried to hang with you guys for a while, but you guys are in deep, and <laughs> you know my grilling is nothing compared to you guys. So I I do hamburgers and hot dogs every now and then. The wife yeah. will wrap corn and asparagus. That's it. It's just a quick little mm. Home Depot grill. <laughs> you know. Well, that's that's like, what I've had for the longest time. That's not such a bad thing. I mean, that's a good place to be. Did you say bacon wrapped asparagus? Is she doing those? Is she doing that? Are you doing that? Um, Did she you say does that? a lot of that stuff. Yeah. She does a lot of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. like bacon wrapped asparagus, if you have not figured out that secret yet, that's an easy package of bacon, a clump yeah. of asparagus put five in a bundle, wrap it up and pin it, throw it on the grill, let that thing burn. And the bacon protects the asparagus and it comes out tasting like bacon. It's pretty, it's yep. just bacon in another form. It's pretty great. Yeah. I so, No, that's me. I'm, I'm a meat guy. Well, we, uh, I did uh, just as an update for folks, I did buy that grill that we were, or that smoker that we were talking about on the show. So I got 400 bucks. I couldn't pass it up. And uh, Austin XL pit boss, Austin XL was the grill. Just a good deal. You know how, when you buy something expensive, I don't know if you do this, Marv, but I do. You buy something expensive. And then for the next three weeks, you watch to see if it gets cheaper anywhere else. Do you, do you have that? that problem at all? Of course. And I mean, in tech that happens all the time. You're you know, <laughs> on Amazon because Amazon will always drop the price, you know, the day after you get it. But uh, we've done that with our, you know, our television, that big screen TV, I told you we bought right, a while right. back. Um, of course they always have drop. something cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tech is dangerous. I didn't expect that on the grill and I actually haven't found it any cheaper anywhere else uh, since it. So I feel pretty good. Like, okay, I got a pretty good deal on it. You know, it was, it was about $100 what off what it normally was. We've done, I've already done a uh, a pork roast. We made jerky on it the other night, which was super good. Um, and I'm feeling really good. I'm kind of getting the feel for this. Somebody had mentioned in chat, uh, I think Bob had mentioned in chat. Um, Mark had mentioned this. I don't know. How does bacon-wrapped Oreos sound to you, Marv? Is that... Is, no. is that appealing at all to you, bacon-wrapped no. Oreos? <laughs> <laughs> just quick not note. Not at all. Just no. No. Not. No. Well, let me rephrase that. So bacon, yes. Oreos, yes. Combined, no. no. But part of that also has to do with the new me because I've really cut back on a lot of my stuff. I am 
I'm trying to be healthy, Marv. Now, good, good. What are have you deployed any tech to this effort to be? Or are you doing anything? What are you doing different? No, I'm just being very simple. <laughs> I cut back on sugar, okay. soda, and watching calories, and starting to get a little active again. So mm. when I retired from ball a few years ago, I just quit everything: no gym, no running, no working out of any sort. So now I've got back to, you know, doing a little bit of stuff, just some barbell stuff, some jumping rope. And, you know, the wife has wanted me to walk with her a little more. Uh, we're trying to work that out, but really it's more just watching what you eat, cutting back on the calories. And that's where I'm starting. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more in a few months, because I'll be having a bunch of people join me on some future podcasts. And we're going to talk about living healthy and being happy. Oh, good. Good. Well, I'll have to have you back. Let me know when you're ready. Um, I had John Biggs on a couple months ago, and he kind of went through his whole regime of all the things. You know, he's checking his glucose, and he's got the watch and the ring and checking his sleep and all those kinds of things. Uh, and so ease into it, I guess. And he did, too. He eased into it. But Marv, ease into it a little bit. Don't, yeah. don't uh, do more. I have been – Ken – says intermittent fasting and I'm back to some intermittent fasting and it just feels really good. You know, I just really like it. So, but go, go with what you're comfortable with. And then as you, you can add things in or take things away as you go, but well, good for you people. One of the uh, people that I talked with that I've already lined up for that podcast had sent me a pack of keto stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've yeah. got that and she's in the midst of like a 10 day fast or something. Yeah, um, which yeah, I, a little cleanse maybe. I don't think I'll be doing that extreme, but a little extreme. Yeah, that's a little extreme. I d- I did the lemonade diet. They that's one of those fasts where all you do is drink lemonade and maple syrup for yeah. ten days. <laughs> yeah, and it's supposed to have cayenne pepper in it, but I could never stomach that. And it's amazing the psychological like eating is a psychological thing. It's not a calorie thing. It's a psychological thing. Yeah. You know, you just miss pizza. You're like, it's like pizza is your long lost friend. <laughs> You're like, please come back, pizza. Well, <laughs> you know? that's why I'm not going to do, you know, any of these extremes. I'm going to do a little bit of everything because I want to make sure that I keep pizza is going to stay in my life. Burgers are going to stay in my life, but we're going to cut back on them a lot. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the thing I think I've learned over the last couple of years is just be reasonable. You know, if you get too extreme, it's too hard to hold on to. If you do nothing, <laughs> then you end up where you don't want to be. But if yeah. I think if you're reasonable in there, um, you know, just trying to trying to make it reasonable. So, yeah, well, everything in moderation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not having that week. I'm not having that kind of week, but I don't do this every week either. So I said to somebody the other day, I was like, I'm going to have to give my liver a break when this is all done. I've had so many, I've had so many bourbon flights because, and it's, it's not like drinking just a drink. We've been kind of tasting, like we've been doing some tastings and trying to figure some things out. So uh, all, um, all good. So the, 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 you'll hear more about the pit boss, uh, Austin XL. That's what we picked up. Good, good, big smoker, easy to put together, easy to learn, been figuring it out. If you, uh, if you've got any tips for me and there's, I've already got a couple, I put some insulation in there. So smoke wouldn't get out. And I put some magnets and some other things in there. 
if you've got some uh, advice for me, and we'll have Mark back on to talk about it here in a couple months, but uh, send me an email, Jim at the Average Guy TV. I, uh, Marv, I went back and looked at, uh, by the way, uh, it's just itbusinesspodcast.com, right? If they if folks want to listen to your, in a, to your podcast, I went back and looked in, uh, in shock. Uh, <laughs> you bought a Mac. I did. And what, what the and, hell's wrong with you? What's I'm going, using it, I'm using it now. <laughs> this is the Mac that I took on the, as part of the mobile podcasting kit. Oh my gosh. Okay. What what drove you to the? You've been a Windows guy forever. What what drove you to the Mac? So, what happened was a customer of mine that I have been managing their iPads as part of their HIPAA compliance. They're a medical office, and we've been doing the unsupervised model where they just buy iPads wherever they want, and I throw them into the RMM, and you can do what we call light MDM, so mobile device management. So basically, we can you know tell who's using them when we assign them to them. Uh, we can do a couple of modifications, but the problem is it's really not HIPAA compliant because unsupervised iPads you can't track them, you can't lock them out. Um, at least not anymore. You used to years ago, but Apple has put a whole bunch of stuff in place. So they now have what's called lost mode. So if you can't find an iPad, you can throw it in lost mode so that it can't be opened by anybody uh, unless you release it and, of course, find it. So they finally said, okay, we need to do that. And the correct Apple way is that you buy them from Apple and you assign all of your profiles, you assign the user, their email, all of that ahead of time so that you can send it to the client not even touch it. And as soon as they turn it on, it's set up and programmed for them. They put in their email, that becomes their Apple ID, all the apps that they have come downloaded. So we tried to do that with about 10 new iPads. This They currently had 52 at the time, so we were replacing 10. And it didn't quite go as planned. And they decided, well, we want to have all the other iPads be supervised as well. The problem is you can't just take an unsupervised iPad that you bought from Amazon or Best Buy and just throw it into your management. The only way you can do that is with a program called the Apple Configurator that will only run on a Mac. And you have to connect the iPad to the Mac, do the configuration, and then you can add it to the tenant. So Physically connect the iPad to the Mac? Not remote stuff. It's your physically... Okay. It has to physically connect. So I actually went out, so I got the Mac. I got a USB hub so I can do multiple iPads at a time, downloaded the configurator. And it was something where I was going to make the client buy it. Mm-hmm. But I thought, I, w- I won't be able to use it for anybody else. So I'll just mm-hmm. buy it myself and I can use it for whatever. So one of the things that I'm going to be doing is asking people, hey, I've got a Mac now. What can I do that I can't do with a Windows machine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so what did you end up getting? So I just got, I just bought the cheapest one I could find. So it's a MacBook Air, 13.3 uh, inch, and it's just a little starter. It's 8 gigs of RAM and a 250 gig, 256 gig uh, SSD. Yeah, good, good enough. And yeah. what, what, would you, what was the retail on that? What are these things costing these Nine, days? Nine ninety nine. So under under a thousand bucks, well, yep. just barely. It's a thousand. We'll call it a thousand bucks. Did you 
take them up on their interest-free year financing thing that they do or just pay for it? No, I, it was in Best Buy. We could pick it up in an hour. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. on the credit card, got some, got some Hilton points. Got some points for that. It'll be a business expense. I, I'm assuming it for for what you're doing, right? Or however that works for your taxes. Yeah. I don't want to pry your taxes, <laughs> or your deal. Um, what have you been? So, how long have you had it, and what are you most surprised by using it? So, I've just had it about two weeks now. Okay, it's not very long, and. So, of course, I spent the first weekend and all last week going through and doing all the iPad stuff. And this week, I've actually started playing with it a few with a few other things. So I've downloaded, you know, some apps. I downloaded Chrome so I could run, you know, a StreamYard <laughs> with that. Um, and what else did I do? I did. Oh, I've used it to do a couple of remote connections to some clients because we have. Most of our clients, we just utilize a VPN through SonicWall, and that has to be Windows-based. There's no other way to do it. But people with Macs, we have to use a product called TrueGrid, which has both a Windows and a Mac connector software. And the only difference is you actually have to use a Mac version of remote desktop. So I decided, let me set myself up as a remote user for one of my clients with the Mac experience. Right. Now I know what it's like firsthand to do that. Yeah, and I've been using remote desktop, the Windows version on a Mac for my Windows boxes when I want to, you know, when I want to remote. I mean, they're right here, but sometimes it's more convenient just to remote in on the Mac. It works great. I mean, yeah. it's just a pretty... It's a pretty, I'm having a hard time. I'll be honest. The Mac sits in between two windows, you know, two windows PCs. I'm not sure I can really tell the difference anymore between the, you know, the operating system. This was my goal was that the operating system would become agnostic. Like I didn't care. Right. The, the really, the only difference is where do I close the window out? And to be honest, I have so many monitors. I just don't close windows. So like they just stay open in most cases, very, uh, like, a, you know, this this browser window that I'm using here in Edge never closes. That's the other thing. I'm pretty crazy. I'm using Edge on a Mac. <laughs> That's blasphemy, isn't it? It's pretty dumb. It's pretty dumb. But because I don't want to use Chrome, I was kind of moved for a while. I was moving away from Chrome. And I can't use Safari for StreamYard. So Edge was the browser to use anyways. So I kind of have dedicated windows. So I really don't, I don't really see a big difference. Do you feel like you're only two weeks in? Do you feel like you're still getting caught up by a Mac way of doing things? Oh yeah. Everything technically is backwards. You know, where you close the window and shrink and all of that. Uh, yeah. Even the mouse yeah. movements are backwards scrolling yeah. and down. Yeah, I changed so. those. <laughs> I changed them so they would be the same as windows. Oh, see, I haven't even gotten into it's, you know, trying to get into system preferences and figure out where things are with, you know, like trying to just, you know, figure out the brightness of the screen, right. you know, the screensaver right. timeouts. It's, you know, it takes yeah. a little time. Yeah. One, I think the best advice I got from, from somebody in the community was to use Synergy, which is S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y. Synergy, that's the, the KVM, the software KVM solution across Windows and Mac. And um, it allowed me to have one keyboard and mouse for, 
you know, Windows, Mac, Windows, if you think it logically the way I see them. And I could just go straight across. When I first jumped on to Synergy, it was struggling because the new Mac was out and they didn't have the new software. But in the last six months, that's all nailed down. They've got that all figured out now. And it, man, from a sharing, again, I don't even know in a lot of cases, the the only time I think about it is when the weekly Windows updates come out. Like, hey, we're going to reboot your computer. I don't never reboot the Mac. Like it, even though I have used a Bitdefender, you know, piece of software on the Mac and it's always wanting me to reboot. I'm like, no, not going to do it. So it, that has, that was the best advice. If you're sharing, you know, maybe you, maybe you need to get in a situation where you need to have Mac on one side and PC on the other, but you want to share a keyboard and mouse synergy was the best. Right. Piece so of I've already got the tab open there and we'll take a look at that. I think it's 20 bucks or 30 bucks or something. Not, not terrible. And, uh, I think it's a lifetime license, so you can give that a try. Anything else that you've, like, have you had any aha moments with the Mac where you're like, oh, this works real, this works really well, as opposed to what I did on Windows? Mm, not, Probably yet. not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. So, well, you'll have some, you'll have some time. Are, are you, it's two weeks. Are you still happy that, I mean, are you happy you did it? Or are you kind of disgruntled? Or are you somewhere in between? <laughs> so, well, I can tell you this. It's going to add about 100 bucks of monthly billing to my client. So uh, as soon as I get it paid off, I'll be much happier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, here's the thing. I think that from a business perspective, being able to now utilize a Mac and see what what people are doing. Because there's a lot yeah. of clients, they have Macs. I just never see them. And I just always used to say, we don't support Mac. But, you know, I do have a couple of new clients where they actually have Macs in the office that I'm going to have to support at some point. So getting it uh, from a business perspective uh, is is going to be good. Good. Yeah, no, good for you. I think it's a good, again, I think we're to that point where they're pretty similar. The, the one thing I still haven't figured out is all the file like the Mac finder, you know, that's the file, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the windows Explorer, And, um, I still don't know how to do all the things that I know how to do in windows with files in the finder. And every time I'm like, you know, the other thing is I have a cached. So I have this, um, Moro data box. That's a cached server. So it stores and backs up. We'll talk about backup here in a few minutes. It stores and backs up everything to a B2 instance, a backblaze B2 instance. And it keeps, oh, 700 gig worth of files locally. And then, you know, the last thing to go in is the first thing to go to the cloud and they erase it and the new stuff comes forward. It's a, it's a cache server. Well, it, the Mac, it, 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 if you go to a folder structure, it wants to invoke and bring all those fi- files back like I'm trying to access all of them. As opposed to Windows, when I go to that folder, it doesn't do anything. It just says, hey, this file's not available. I have a little X by it saying it's a cached file, right? That if I click on it, it'll download it from the cache from the from the backup. So I haven't figured all that out yet with the with the file. So I end up moving when I want to do heavy file formatting things, whatever that is, I end up going to the Windows box because yeah. I understand it so much better. 
on Mac, I'm still trying to figure out file structure and, and how that seems different to me. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand the download folder right now. That's where I'm at. <laughs> and when I go click on it, it's, you know, the everything I downloaded pops up and then yeah. open in Finder. And yeah. I'm like, well, why can't I just go to the folder? So no. I'll, get, I'll get used to that. Yeah, the whole installing things on a Mac, it's so different than on Windows. Like, that's the, maybe that's the other thing is getting used to installing programs on the Mac. It's actually slowed me down from just installing everything. You're like, yeah, no, I don't want to figure this out. <laughs> so it's fine. Well, one of my projects was to look to see if there was Ninite for uh, for Mac. Mm-hmm. So I could just open up Ninite, pick all the apps, and then just. But it looks like they're all they're all apps, not yeah. software. No. no, no, I think I don't. I I, I don't know. But good luck with that as you, <laughs> as you, as you get that uh, figured out. Well, we'll have to keep us posted on that. With just two weeks, you've got your you're halfway, I think, through the learning curve. I think in the next couple of weeks, you'll get pretty comfortable with ninety percent of what you need, and then you just won't even see the difference anymore. You'll just be like, uh, especially if you're staying in the Windows world. If you're doing both, which I think you have to, right? Yeah. I I think at some point you'll just uh, you'll you'll just stop thinking about it. You just, Oh, I'm on the Mac. Okay. It goes this way type deal. Well, this was, that was the reason I brought it with me. I wanted to take a big step and like I said, set it up here as my podcast rig and see how it worked. Yeah. Well, you got in, you got it set up, you got connected to the Wi-Fi or whatever you're on. You got Chrome installed. You got, on streaming, my roadcast mixer connected, and yeah, it's right. I was a little worried because there's no traditional, you know, USB A or or B. It's you know, it's the, the USB C only. Yeah, do you have a dongle for it then? That's got all the the right connections, or no? I just used. Uh, I actually did go out and purchase some USB C to USB C cables. Oh, good. So that yeah. I could connect it to other stuff. So I got those. Yeah, that's where they make their money, Marv, is on the cables. They're like, oh, yeah, let's just change it again. So they have to buy all new cables. And it's the mafia. So it's, uh, well, well, congrats on that. I, I, um, I love my mini and I just, I don't know. I just, I, I'm glad I did it. And, but I, I keep Windows, both Windows 10, you know, most of the stuff here is 10. And then, this laptop here is Windows 11 on the Insider program, and I think the laptop that I take to the shed for the Smoke Shack, as well as I, it's ironic that the laptop that I use for both the Smoke Shed and the treadmill are this the same laptop. That's mm. uh, there's probably a special place in hell waiting for me. That'll be like, how dare you <laughs> use something for that drastic of a difference but um that's on windows 11 as yeah. well have you have you messed with 11 much so personally no i do have a couple of client machines that are on 11 uh we did purchase a laptop for somebody that had 11 and for what i do the setup everything was the same essentially outside of the taskbar looking differently Everything installed the same. The programs worked the same. There didn't seem to be any system requirements for the software we use. Now, I'm a little worried that my law firms, we may have some compatibility issues, but I probably won't find find out about that until either later this year or next year. Yeah, and it's been been a slow roll 
to be honest. I mean, it's the adoption uptake has not been, I think, as fast as they were hoping for. And I think enterprise environments with the pandemic are like, nah, let's give it another year or two. Here's the thing. A lot of them just updated to Windows 10. I mean, I've, I've probably still have 50 to 60 workstations that are Windows 7 because they're either not on a domain or they're just being used to remote into a terminal server. So they're like, we don't want to upgrade them. And I'm like, yeah. well, you're going to have to at some point updates yeah. and stuff like that. But they're, they're just getting to Windows 10. And it's like, why do we need to switch to 11? And that's, yeah. that's what they're fighting. So yeah. they'll probably all wait until 2025. Well, yeah, maybe. That I think there'll be some folks who just go straight to 11. Like they'll be like, yeah, you know, you should, we should probably skip 10 and go to 11. It's, it's just the same. It's not the same today, but it will be eventually. I mean, there's still some key things that they're missing. Well, and you're only going to be able to get windows 11 machines new. So correct. When I need to go purchase some workstations and windows 11 is the only choice then we'll yeah. make that switch. Well, they'll let you back. To, I'm sure they'll let you go back, you know, for yeah, not very long. <laughs> no. Yeah. You're, you're probably right in your space. You know, you're, you're probably two or three years behind the curve, the, the consumer curve or no more the enthusiast curve. And then maybe a year behind the consumer curve, you know, enterprises just don't move as fast. No, they do so, not. Employers no. move slower than that. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing until you see a, you know, a, a windows XP machine out there on a kiosk. <laughs> like, oh, how is that thing even still running? So, um, uh, speaking of running you, uh, again, it business podcast.com. You put out a snarky little post that that's the four Oh nine that said this, don't check or test your backups. I can, here you see, yeah, don't do anything reasonable along those lines. Is there, was there something that prompted this post? Did you have a customer not checking their backups or something? Well, actually, it was a combination of customers having issues and actually other technicians. So I've had people on my podcast when we talk about, you know, backups for their clients. And when we asked, well, when do you test the backups? when a customer needs a file and it's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And so that seems a little weird. If you have to rely on a backup, but you don't test it to know that it works, you know, that may be a problem. And and it came up at my conference last week, which was uh, in Fort Lauderdale was the it expo. Actually it was a combination of nine conferences. It was it expo, MSP expo and blah, blah, blah. It was a whole bunch of them. But a um, managed service provider and I were talking and we were talking about some of the backup providers out there and Datto is a big name in that space. And, you know, they provide you the hardware, the software, 24-7 support, and they do image-based backups. So for those of us that are still running physical servers, we can image the server. It'll back up locally to an appliance and to the cloud. But what it does is it sends an email with a screenshot of the server after it is rebooted. Mm-hmm. And most of the people are like, oh, okay, it booted. It's good. Well, he needed to restore a crash server. And even though it came up to the login screen, 
after he logged in, none of the services would start. His network connection didn't work. And he claimed that he almost lost a customer because of that. And I asked him, I said, well, did you ever check the backup in a virtual machine to see that it worked? He goes, well, no. That, you know. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it started where I'm like, how many people these days are doing backups and, you know, just either never check it. Like they don't want to get the email notifications because you know what? That just fills up my, in, my inbox. Right. So I turn off those notifications and I'm like, well, how do you know if it doesn't work? Oh, well, when the customer calls me and I, and it's like, okay. So that was the the premise of that, of that title. Yeah. Do you find, I mean, do, if, if you're in charge of the backup, in in you're thinking through the test what to you what's a valid what's the valid because you know in theory that the backup can i restore it right right but that's an incredibly hard process to validate all the time like you couldn't do that monthly i mean that'd be that'd be so much work to do so and maybe and maybe you say that's what you do but what what do you marv what's a valid backup for you so it does depend on what you're backing up. Mm-hmm. And if you're just backing up, say, a file server, standard file server with, you know, Word docs and PDFs and stuff, you know, that's an easy, quick test. For Synology NASs or any NAS, if you're backing that up to the cloud, you know, those are usually pretty easy tests. And, of course, the first thing for me is to put together an email system. you got to have an email system. And even if it's, you know, all successful, you put that in a folder so that if anything ever comes back to bite you later, you can say, look, the backup ran and gave me a report. But for servers, physical or virtual, you have to somehow bring that server up into a full production state. Mm -hmm. Now, physical servers, it's hard. Most clients are not going to pay for a secondary physical server to do a test. But just about every backup product out there for business will do a virtual image of some sort that you can at least bring that image up in another production area and spin it up, turn it on and see that it works. And that's what we do. So our physical servers that we do, we may not do those every month, but we definitely do them once a quarter. Yeah. Well, you need to have a plan for it and it needs to be well documented. And in a lot of cases, you're going to need a separate sandbox somewhere else where, because you can't, you don't want a second instance of the server showing up in your production environment. And then all of a sudden, right, you have all this confusion and it starts throwing errors on its own. Yeah. Usually what we'll do is we have it to where all of our images we can bring back to our office and we've got test machine set up on a segregated network that we can spin up the virtual machine there. And that way it won't affect our network or our client's network right. or anything like that. Yeah. But you gotta have a plan for that. I think sometimes people think, Oh yeah, just move it over there and restore the image. And no, like no. in the, in the, in the new environment, there's some things you're going to need to switch or have set to switch or, or uh, update a config file or move a new config file in. And it just gets a whole different, you know, uh, a whole different setup. Bob says in the chat, he says, uh, it's the customer that says, yes, we do nightly backups to this one tape. 
All right. We don't <laughs> verify it, <laughs> but it's been working for the last five years. And, you know, you kind of, you know, you kind of wonder like, oh, when you say working, so you got a valid, you get a valid email back, but have you ever checked to see if there's anything on it? He says, I've heard nightmares of the tape. And I don't know how much tape backup we do anymore. Maybe we still do it that way, but it's basically clear and all the magnetic surface is gone. Yeah. If it's five years old, mm -hmm. chances are right. Uh, metal, he says bare metal restores uh, to a different drive on the same system as the ultimate asset test. Preferably move the functioning drive first. And so regardless, I think you need to have a well-documented, and that's, I think, where a lot of people fall short. And this, when I was doing just, just backups, uh, you know, using home server here at the house for my own, I never really fully tested it and understood it enough that when I was in a critical situation, I could go, oh, yeah, I can get that back, you know, and I lost several things because I just didn't. You know, I didn't go through the necessary testing. Now, today, I feel pretty good about it because I've gone out. I don't do image backups anymore. No need for that, right? I just need to make sure I can get to my files. Right. And I've gone and grabbed files from, from the backups, pulled them down, restored them. I think that's good. I think for the consumer, do you think that's good enough for most consumers if they're using cloud backup? For Yeah, for most consumers, it's just, can I, you know, can I get to the file when I need to? Um, the only thing I think needs to be done is if you're doing one of those services and they only back up 30 days or 60 days, some of them do, you may want to check some older files to make sure that it's still there. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. That's like, usually what happens is, you know, you know files from last week are fine, but there are people like, oh, I've been missing this file for a year go to the backup. Well, the backup got rid of it because it was more than a year. Right. Yeah. That, oh gosh, I, I think everybody's putting, well, and most people are putting their pictures in like Google drives or some of those kinds of things where they can mm -hmm. see them. But I think if you were backing up your pictures to some kind of other service, like a Backblaze or whatever, and you had, you misconfigured something and it, like you said, maybe two years and it goes away. Ah, yeah. like, you almost need a test file. In that case, you almost need a test file that's one at, you know, it's a two years old and three years old and four years old and five years old that you know, like you're tracking on a pretty regular basis. Right. Like, okay, that's there. But that's tedious. It is. You know? It is. Um, but as, in a consumer environment, obviously, most of the time it's you. So you mm -hmm. determine how important your files are. In a business environment, you just have to assume every file is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, because it's the one, though, it's going to be the one that you really, really read it, really needed that's gone, right? Uh, Joe says, I had a customer call me last week. I hadn't heard from him in probably six years. They still had a super old 2003 box running uh, a simple file share. The OS mirror array had completely failed, oh, right? Uh, and then you're like, and I ever, I'm sure you've had this happen. You try to go back to something that's that old and like you engage your brain like you normally would for anything else, but nothing's there. You're like, how do I do this again? Right. Small business server is one of those. And yeah, I, you know, if the wizard doesn't do it. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Well, it's just, it was so crazy. I remember the first time I tried to go back to a home server thing and I'd spent so much time in home server that you just kind of assume like it's going to go there. Like your brain is going to go there. So you're like, oh yeah, I can go in. And then you bring something up and you're like, yeah, I don't have any memories <laughs> from this time. And then you work in it for a little while and eventually the synapses get reconnected, right? And you're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I remember this thing. But that is the most unjarring technical thing when you're trying to help somebody and you're like, oh yeah, I could do, no, actually I can't. I don't remember how to do this. <laughs> it's gone. It yeah. is completely gone, right? Um, uh, Bob says, for the average geek, if your machine goes boom and if you have all your data, how long does it take you to rebuild the way you like it? Seems like it's three days uh, of using it. That may be the case too, right? Getting all your configurations back. Yeah, we. T <laughs> so we tell our customers it's going to be twenty-four to seventy-two hours. Just plan on it. Now, if it's just certain files, like I had a customer today that needed a file from three weeks ago, and the customer they actually kind of manage their own local backups. And they couldn't find it in the local backup. So I did have to go to the cloud and pull it back. So those, it just depends on bandwidth, you know, how fast you can get the files back and stuff. But if it's a server that goes boom, um, usually I'm going to tell them 24 to 72 hours. A lot of it depends on if it's a hardware boom, it's whether or not we can get, you know, replacement parts. Um, in which case, all of our customers, we put them on HP servers. We keep them under support with the four-hour, 24-by-seven response. So, you know, hopefully within four hours, HP's on site, you know, with the part to repair it. Then the clock starts for the repair mm -hmm. or the restore, I mean. Yeah. No, right on. It's, it's and, you know, it's so different contractually than it would be at your house. <laughs> Although, listen, I, I lost a file one time and it felt like I was getting the evil eyes from that one <laughs> on the other side of the wall that it felt contractual, you know, it was like, she's like, you can't get that back. I'm no, I, like, I totally lost it. Yeah. And, and, uh, she was not happy with me. Hey, remember the days when you would reformat your machine every year and restore all your stuff. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, that would take what a couple of hours. Then it got to be a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once it got to be a day, I'm like, I'm done. Well, it totally shifted. I mean, I've completely shifted my MO. Like, I don't customize anything anymore. I mean, I get a new PC, and it's a near-out-of-box experience as far as I can go because I don't want to mess with all those changes that have to be done if I have to do something different. Microsoft was doing – they had their act together with Windows 10, and, and you know, if you saved your configurations in Windows, it would – cascade across to all your Windows instances that were you're logged in with the same Windows ID. So for me, that worked out on all my home machines. That worked out perfect. That's not working in Windows 11. They have oh. they have broken that. And look at that because, yeah. I mean, we don't use the Windows or the Microsoft IDs right? because we're still on domains and stuff, but we use a, a tool called Fabs Auto Backup. So if we're not, you know, having a person's profile go up to the server we can grab the profile and bring over all the configs and all the settings and stuff that way so i haven't had to test that in windows 11 yet so that'll be interesting yeah it's not as you know which for some folks 
hey, they didn't want, like, I've got one Windows instance that I want set up this way and one that I set up another way, and I don't want them affecting each other. And so for, for some folks, they're like, oh, thank God, I hated that, where it was always changing. I'd make a change here, and it would change it on something else. It's always funny, you know, every user approaches this a little bit different. But for many, you know, like for me, I, I kind of like that feature. Uh, you know, I that was one of those kinds of things I guaranteed if I brought a new Windows instance up. Now, I haven't done, I kind of go in spurts, right? For, the, for a while, I might be building three or four new Windows boxes all at the same time. And then I might go a year or two without doing, like my current ones, I'm kind of thinking like, uh, man, these have been going a while. Like if I had to rebuild it, I'd have to really think about, okay, what did I have on there? You know, how am I, how am I doing this? Cause I'm not backing them up. I I'm, I'm taking them the approach that I save everything I need to the cloud and then just blow it away, reinstall and then bring that stuff back down. Right. I mean, I guess I am backing it up, but you know, in the traditional sense, I'm not doing a image backup. I'm doing just a file backup. Right. Right. The, the Which most thing. of us do. I mean, I, I do the same yeah, I think so. I think so. So um, any other, as you think of backup advice, anything else uh, that, that, uh, that you, that, boy, we talk about this maybe every six months or so, maybe once a year, anything else you would remind folks? I mean, for backups, it, it really depends on your environment. I mean, obviously, you know, home users, enthusiasts, you know, obviously just your most important things, make sure it's in the cloud. And I would also say, in today's age, I would consider something locally. So either get yourself an external drive or a USB because we've had situations where cloud access has been an issue. And, you know, if you can't get to the files because of whatever server, and I mean, especially if you're using the cheapest server service available, you know, just spend the money on the proper service and whether you're, you know, going to go, you know, black bays, carbonate, you know, or something, or if you're just going to do straight wasabi, um, something like that, just make sure it's a reputable service with, you know, some sort of S3 connector to get up to a cloud service. Um, Check that connectivity. But I noticed that one of my clients was using, uh, what is it? The Amazon glacier. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because they wanted it cheap, but the cost to get the data back and the time to get the data back was horrible. Yeah. So I said, why don't you, they didn't have a ton of stuff. I'm like, so just have an external drive as well. Um, and back up to that every so often and have the cloud backup. So, yeah. Well, and testing those cloud backups, I think is as important to, to your point is testing, you know, on-prem, if you're moving those backups to tape or to another, you know, to whatever that other computer is, right? That's housing those kinds of things. Um, Bob says uh, he's impressed with Synology's backup clients. You can back it up to another Synology somewhere else or an S3 provider. I, I'm a big, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been doing Backblaze B2 for a while. Not difficult to set up, I, not for the average person, to be honest. You kind of need to have have a little bit of a tech background to kind of understand what they're doing with buckets and get those. But once it was set up, it was working great. I think I might go from a consumer standpoint, I might go go to Carbonite. If I didn't have this cache server that was backing up to B2, they've got a connector for it. And I was just doing one PC. I might do unlimited at Carbonite. So, you know, that, that may be the route that I go. But there's tons of 
pretty good options. Acronis would be another would be another option that you could go with. So, do you have any others that you recommend, Marv? To I'll to be work? honest with you. So, some of the ones I would recommend aren't going to be great for for home users or enthusiasts because I'm I'm dealing with enterprise stuff with Datto um, and and those through our you know RMM MSP providers. However, uh, I can tell Bob. So I'm all in on Synology for about the last year. So we have replaced every NAS in our clients and in our office with Synologies and we're using the active backup. Uh, we're doing the hyper backup and I'm testing both the backup from Synology to uh, their own C2 cloud and also to Wasabi. And they're both pretty inexpensive and you know work directly from the Synologies. And the reason I'm going with Synology is because they have a ton of apps. And I just uh, actually deployed their surveillance station uh, to a customer, uh, replaced their existing NVR, but they got to keep all their cameras because it worked with the Synology. So as a file server, uh, backup, uh, surveillance system, and we're doing a couple of other things with them. I'm I'm loving the Synology boxes. Yeah, it's a good it's a good box, and I would say it's an average consumer box. I think you don't need to have a lot. I mean, there's a lot you can do with it, but I think it's fairly easy to do for a lot of people. Not everybody. They've but, got they they go from extreme to extreme. Yeah. They have the low boxes for consumers, and they now have some very nice enterprise boxes. Yeah. yeah. It's, I just don't see, you know, and, and maybe you see this too. I just don't see the consumers talking that much about backup anymore because everything they care about is stored somewhere else anyways. It's in their OneDrive, right. you know, or their Google Drive or right. something. I mean, it's... Or it's on their phone. <laughs> on their phone, yep. You know, and that's getting backed up some way. Or they you don't can know transfer how. it. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, uh, the yeah. iPhone transfer, we just got new phones. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was painless, you know, it transferred oh, incredible. Everything. Yeah. You just get a, you get a phone that's twice as big because mm-hmm. you've probably run out of space on your phone and it's literally just a couple like, Hey, Oh, I see a new phone. Yep. Do you want me to transfer? Yes. Whoop, away it goes. It's, yep. Imagine if windows boxes were that. <laughs> oh, half of us would be out of a job, but. It'd be nice. Oh man, yeah. Well, the Synology. I haven't talked about one. I almost, I almost got one. I almost got one of the cheap ones just to have, so I would be familiar with it. And then I was just like, Do I really need more storage at home? <laughs> you know, I already got quite a bit here, and you know, we got a couple different. I mean, I still am using some window storage at home here, not server, but other things. You know, just doing, doing basic file shares off of other. Um, networks. Uh, I, I had the Drobo till it died. The Drobo officially died. I don't know, maybe six months ago. It's gone. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm kind of NASless, uh, so to speak. And I, I mean, I've, I've got this Moro data server that's very specialized. But other, well, I do have an Unraid box. Yeah. Uh, okay. Joe was asking me no, or Bob. Somebody was asking me. Yeah, this is Home Assistant running up here. This is the Home Assistant dashboard. We're going to talk about that in here with Marvin just a second. But, um, yeah, so I, I guess I do run an Unraid box. You kind of forget, right? Unraid has been running here for a couple years. I don't even – I kind of forget it's on. You know, it does its thing. 
but I kind of forget. I kind of yeah. forget it's on. So, Marv, you'd mentioned. Uh, let's let's talk about home home automation. You you I've interviewed you a couple times, and I've always said, "Are you doing any home automation?" And you're kind of like, "No, nope, <laughs> not at all." But is that changing a little bit with you? Could the could the facade be cracking? Yeah, it's you know, so so it started with my sprinkler guy. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to have some sprinkler heads done and he's always complaining about our water schedule because you know he wants to run them a long time and then in the rainy season i had the sprinkler system where you had to go out and you know almost break off your fingernails to pull the chrome little things out and stick them in yeah. and he's like well you can get one of those digital ones that you can run it off an app and i'm like Ugh. And so finally, this last time he was out, I finally said, okay, how much is it? And so he was like 900 bucks. I'm like, you know, everything here is 500 to a thousand bucks anyway. So I said, all right, go ahead and do it. And he was, he, he was kind of shocked, <laughs> but uh, he came back a week later and installed it. And then, uh, so I've got, you know, a Rainbird controller that is running our sprinkler systems and I can run it off the app and change the zones and change the times and I don't have to run outside to do it. And that's, uh, that was step one. Bob says it's those evil sprinklers. That's not how I expected you to get into the <laughs> automation space. That's hilarious. Does it, is it just some of these apps are like iPhone only or they're hard to get to, you know, for our, for our non iPhone users, it's say like I want to get to it from my PC. Can you can you get to it from something else other than an iPhone? You know what? I've actually not tried. Um, I think it is iOS only, at least yeah. for this particular one. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. I should try yeah. it on my back. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that. This is a weird thing. Like, I mean, the Android ecosystem is huge, but but even the guys when we have like uh, John from Channels on, he, he's he's admitted. Like, look at we developed an iPhone first, and you're like, yeah, but there's so many more Android users. They're not as good. Like they don't they don't do as much. the The iPhone users are our best users. Th those are my words, not his, by the way. So don't don't send John a note and say Jim said you said. But that's the impression that I get. Well, so so what I have found. So my network testers are built on the Android platform. So that's fine. But it seems as though, in my experience, and this may be different, Android users always like to hack or whatever, the root or whatever they call it with their apps. You know, iOS users don't. They just like, just install they it. They can't. And Apple work. locks them down. <laughs> but for the most part, that's great because they just, yeah. I just want to yeah. know it works. You know, right. we've gone from, right. I want this to just be a phone to... Yeah. I want it to be everything else, but I just want it to work. I don't need to know how it works, just that it works. Yeah. Well, it's in what's great about it is some of the apps are being written to work on Mac OS. So like the meter app, you know, M-E-A-T-E-R, the the probe that I put in when I'm grilling meat and I want to I want to measure the temperature both inside and outside. That's a meter. Um, that works both on the phone and it works on the Mac. So I can bring that up on my, that the app has been, um, has been um, optimized and I can have that, I can be down here monitoring the temperatures 
on my grill on the Mac without necessarily, you know, the, the without having to have the phone uh, open. The the other thing, you know, um, for the longest time, everybody was just like, well, just go to the web browser. Well, we're getting away from from browser enabled things too. Yes, it's like uh, Ring shut down. I mean. Um, actually, Ring went the other direction. Ring shut down their Windows app in favor of a not as good browser experience, you know? Well, that's the second part of my home automation. So we've been using Blink cameras, and they are going to do – they're doing something where they're taking away the Blink accounts because right now I do it for free. And you've got to pay for it. And they're doing something. I think they're getting away from Blink to go all ring or something like that. So I need to look for a new camera system for the house. And that's where I was starting to look at Synology with their surveillance station, doing that at the house and and doing those cameras. So that's my next step mm-hmm. in doing yeah. something for the house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Synology and cameras are a, that's a, I mean, that's a match made in heaven. Those there's a little more to it than like if you go with the ring or um, simply safe, uh, some of those all in one solutions, you're in an ecosystem right. with Synology. You get some options to add some different cameras. You get some real time monitoring. You determine where it's stored, how long you keep it for. You don't have to pay for that storage. So not that I've thought about any of this stuff, but that's <laughs> the <laughs> that's the difference between those two. And you just kind of I mean, I've I eventually just landed on ring. But now that I have four ring cameras, I'm paying $120 a year. That's I'm sure that's going to go up. You're kind of yeah, like that's, that's not a lot though compared to if you were going through ADP or one of these other systems. No, that's true. You're, you're probably paying you know 50 bucks a month with those services. Oh, for sure. That's definitely the high end. But I'm kind of Marv. I'm kind of thinking about buying some wise cameras that where I I self host them and it's all kept on the Synology and I'm not paying for service. So to speak, I'm just because I just stare at my cameras to see what it looks like outside because I'm down here in the basement. I'm like, huh, I wonder what the weather's like today. You know, that's what I use my cameras for. I was going to say, there's an app for that, isn't there? <laughs> I'm sure there is. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Um, uh, O'Grady says, uh, O'Grady555 coming to us from uh, Twitch. So thanks for there's a couple on Twitch tonight. So thanks for joining us over there on Twitch. Says a, uh, I have wise cams. He has wise cams hooked into Alexa, but yeah, there's so many options, and there there are a ton. There are a ton, although though I think uh, they're they're narrowing. I don't feel like yes, there's still a ton, but there used to be a ton more, and I think our camera options are kind of coming down to five or ten or something like that. And I think in the next couple years, those will consolidate that down and just do a handful and it'll be a it'll be a fairly painful decision because you're going to pay for it or you're going to set it up yourself i think that at the end of the day that's going to kind of be uh the end of it i do marv ring does not give me real-time monitoring and that is something i kind of wish i had really i know i have to click into it so it 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 refreshes a picture takes a picture every a couple minutes and and refreshes that picture on my dashboard. So if I go to the Ring dashboard screen, I see four screens. They were updated minutes to hours ago. Just kind of depends on what I've been away from it. So like 
Uh, I mean, the whole idea is to have some sort of real-time monitoring. Now, I'm assuming that there's motion detection that you can record. Correct. Playback so, later. But as soon as it detects something, it starts recording, right? Okay. And then you can go back. So their, their philosophy is, hey, look, if nothing's happening, why, why would you waste the bandwidth? Yeah. Right? And that's kind of smart. But when I had, for a while, I had real-time cameras, and I could be monitoring what was really going on outside. I kind of like that too. And yeah, I could go into the ring app and click on a live camera and just sit there and stare at it. If I wanted to, it probably would work just as well. Yeah. It's moving that data to the cloud, but I'm not paying anymore for that. So I could, you know, see, see the difference. You're like, it's the same, Jim. Yeah. I, just, I get that. It, you know? I mean, when, when I set up the Synology for my client, you know, I did it to where it was motion detection only. And I remember, but day two or three, the office manager called me and says, hey, the camera's not moving. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, well, I can see so-and-so sitting at their desk, but it's not moving. I'm like, well, is the person moving? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and like that sensitivity level, they yeah. wanted it to where they wanted it live so they yeah. could see, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll change it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've thought about, I mean, in the early days of the pandemic, um, I wanted to see outside, you know, I was stuck down here in the basement and I was like, you know, it'd be nice to have a camera that's just always on. I'd almost give a whole monitor to it. That was just my outside cam. Right. And, uh, and eventually I landed on, I landed on ring and that's just kind of where I went. But I think your Synology or Synology gives you some more opportunities and I think that'll be a great step for you, a great next step. Well, I just pulled up this Wise, and these look nice. They're uh, indoor, outdoor, wireless. So I mean, yeah, no, Wise is a good. Um, Wise is a good, inexpensive. They've always been fair on price. They've been a little questionable on the Chinese side of things, you know. And who hasn't? <laughs> Now, so, are they yeah. only wireless though? I don't see any wired options. Ah, uh, that'd be that's a good question. I don't I don't know off the top of my head. I'd probably have to look to see. There's some wired yeah, options. Yeah, there's wired ones. Here we go. Yeah, Uyghur, you know, Uyghur was a big um our co-host who quit on me. See a Uyghur. Um he <laughs> no. Uh he he would do the the um oh what's it the POE right? However, mm-hmm. and, and so he used to love to have those POE cameras that he'd push, you know, he'd push it up to a hub and then, or whatever router, and then they would push the power out to him. That was his, he, if you watch him on probably the last year worth of shows that he was on, he was always looking up during the show and he was watching his camera. Oh, I wondered what that was. His camera monitor. So, um, I think he also, um, would, um, uh, he'd monitor his kids going to bed. So just kind of be watching to see if Hannah was having trouble with them wow. uh, or not, which is good. That's a good dad. That's a good dad thing. Yeah. Check on that. So, okay. So you got the line, you're thinking about cameras. Are you going to allow a voice assistant in, in your place? At some oh, point? No, to- no, there will, be, <laughs> there will be no ladies in the house named a, <laughs> So no a lady, no I mean, it's bad enough because we you know we all know the phone and tablets are listening that's that's enough for me mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Bob, nice callback. I'll go rent the banana suit. This is that's from a long a show a while ago. Um, uh, and then uh, we are going to look at stuff. I mean, all the new appliances uh, we are going to look at with you know some of the things with the monitoring that they can do now. Um, you know, you know, we have a stove right now, a gas stove that we're trying to figure out. Okay, what are we going to do with it? Because sometimes it just doesn't light up. And so obviously, you know, we're looking at should it just be a repair or if it is time to replace it, what, you know, are we going to buy something that, you know, can be monitored um, so that we can, you know, I don't even know if it's something we can, you know, plug in like one of those, those OC car things where it'll tell you the code (laughs) of what's wrong or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like your car. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we, we bought our oven before the whole smart thing, right before it. So we have a, it's electric gas. It's a glass top And I listen, I love, I'll never go back to, you know, the rings or even gas. Like I love having just a slick. Okay. Glass surface, easy to clean, easy to use. I've never had any trouble with getting, getting the pans to heat up. Cause that with gas, that's what everybody always says click, click, instant on. And I'm like, you know what? I go click, click, and the the burner comes up. So, you know, I I don't know about that. But I have thought it would be nice uh, now that I'm doing more of the cooking than I was before. Let's just be clear. It's just more than I was before. Um, It would be nice here at 515 to look at my HelloFresh recipe because we always start 530, straight at 530, we start making dinner my daughter and I look at the recipe and say, okay, what do I need to preheat the oven to? And it'd be great to say, Hey lady, preheat the oven to 375 fan. And it would, it turn the oven on and right. That would be super convenient. Now I can go to the kitchen and go, and it does the same thing and it's just fine. But that's where I could see automation in the kitchen, you know, kind of, Leaking. Well, don't we have that? Um, I've seen the commercial. And I can't remember the name, but the food service where you you buy it and you can just scan it to the yeah, yeah, toaster yeah. oven looking thing. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. They do, they do, and then just throw it in. I I enjoy the cooking part of it. I mean, there's times I would like that too, where I could just Star Trek it. You know, basically just throw it in and it does what it's supposed to do without me having to have any interaction with the thing, I'd be okay with that too. Um, but there's some things, there's some things, the, fr- you know, fridge keeping track of what you're using and then putting when it senses you need more milk, putting that on your. Yeah. See, I don't, milk. I don't need that either. I don't, <laughs> I don't need some data like that going up to a database and somebody tracking because you know, you're going to get the little email. Hey, you know, uh, you've used yeah. a lot of eggs this week. Mm-hmm. You know, and we suggest, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, your cholesterol might be high if you keep eating all that. Yeah. No, right on. Okay. Cholesterol boy, slow down on the, on the, uh, Oreos. Right. Although yeah. apparently Oreos don't have any cholesterol in them anymore. That's what they say. Really? No fat either. Yeah. They're, they're basically health food. If you look at Oreos now, I'm not saying they are, but they're basically health food. Well, so you might want to check. Go out. shopping tomorrow for the yeah. reunion. So we'll look. <laughs> Bacon wrapped Oreos. That's that's what that's that's where you need to go. 
Bob says he loves induction and uh, never going back to gas. Uh, I've heard of that. Haven't, yeah. uh, haven't done it yet. Yeah. Yeah. We just do the glass top, you know, with a, with a, with an element. And I've, I've really liked it. One of the nice things is, is you're, you can take, you know, you can move pans across them pretty easily. And, um, it's just, uh, that's how I like to cook sometimes to shake that pan up a little bit. So, well, congratulations for making your way into the world of home automation through a sprinkler. Not what, I, not baby, what steps, I baby steps, not, not what I thought at all. The grill, the pit boss grill that I have is not Wi-Fi enabled. Although I think, and Joe, if you're still out there, Pit Boss has a lot of customization things you can buy, and I think I could probably customize that module to get Wi-Fi out of it if I wanted to. Uh, in the last couple cooks, you know, I've got a Wi-Fi enabled meter. I've got a cooking another. I've got another temperature probe that's Wi-Fi enabled. Probably good enough. I probably for now don't need to. I mean, it would be nice to be, as Mark would say, to be somewhere else and look and see if you've run out of, you know, if the auger's not running anymore. But then what am I going to do about it? Like, I can't add, I can't add, uh, it's fine. I can't add uh, pellets to the thing remotely, you know? Yeah, I mean, so so in setting up this, uh, this um, device for the sprinklers, <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> um, it was funny because I didn't even think about the Wi-Fi to get outside because my Wi-Fi access point is in one of the spare bedrooms on the other side of the house. And then, you know, you go through the living room, you go through the kitchen, out the garage, out to where our sprinklers are. And for some reason, I didn't even think about it. But the first thing he said is, wow, you got good Wi-Fi. Hmm. And it was just enough to get through, you know, in Florida, we've got, you know, cement walls. Mm-hmm. So we do have a lot of issues with Wi-Fi yeah. and I had gotten a ruckus that I put at the house because I wanted to make sure we had Wi-Fi out by the pool because that's what the wife yeah. does is invites yeah. everybody yeah. down. And I actually was looking at the Synology routers to, I, was, I thought I would need to get a new Wi-Fi six um, router, but I didn't. The ruckus is still working, but that'll be obviously as I add more devices, Upgrading the Wi-Fi in the house is, you know, yeah. probably something to be done for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be good. Those are all enabled too that way. So you just, you're going to, listen, you're going to end up with one of them that you're going to talk to, Marv. It may not be this year. It's coming though. You got to, yeah. you're going to have to give in. All right. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, it's funny because that's usually, that's the gateway is that voice assistant. Well, I got one, didn't I tell you? I we we got one. I actually bought what's her name for the office. Mm-hmm. I bought the the one that looks like this, the yeah, black yeah, yeah. thing. Yep. And I thought, oh, I'll use that. We'll play music. I'll yep. listen to the Jim Rome show. I'll do some yep. other stuff on there. And I don't know where it is now because we disconnected oh. it. So I yeah. realized they were listening all the time. I'm oh, like, they're spying on you big time. Yeah, they're spying on you. Yeah, it's it's all true. Well. Um, yeah, it's good. It's a good call. Anything coming up on the, uh, the, the, uh, the IT business podcast that you're looking forward to? So I do have, uh, some shows coming up. We've actually pre-recorded three of them and we're going to be doing a live show with some guys from Synology. 
Oh, nice. And we're going to talk about a lot of that. So I do have those lined up. Um, I've got some interesting guests. We have uh, a software vendor that is not necessarily gray market, but if somebody doesn't want to buy things like Microsoft Office or Windows from a distributor or whatever, uh, this company based out of Tampa will sell that software along with, you know, the antivirus stuff, Adobe. Pro- I mean, so I'm going to have them on. And we're going to start to have on some other people that are coming to our conferences later this year. So it'll be a lot of vendor-driven stuff. And then I'm working on something we did last year called the Summer Tech Series, where I'm just going to reach out to other techs across the country and say, hey, tell me how you know, you're doing in your business or what uh, new things you've done and you know, have other techs you know, sharing stories. Yeah, cool. Cool. I think did I did I join you for the summer tech series before or after something last year? You yeah, did. I think yep. I was on that. Gotcha. If you're just joining us for the first time tonight, you found us maybe on Twitch or on YouTube. Check out Marv's podcast, IT Business Podcast, all one word, itbusinesspodcast.com. There's some cool stuff uh, coming up. I, I think I'm going to have to. Uh, my I've been waning on my podcast listening just because I'm not going into work as much. But after this vacation. I think I'm back in the office three or four days a week. So I need to start heading back in and, and uh, give me a chance to listen to your podcast and see what's going on there. So Marv, thanks for, uh, thanks for, for, for jumping in here. It's always great to talk to you. I'm going to just add you to the regular rotation. I hope that's okay. I, I'll say, you. I know your boy bailed on you. So if you need, you know, a new sidekick, oh. you know, let me know. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, I, I may take you up on that more often than than I don't on that one. And I'm trying this whole, I, I'm not going to lie, Uyghur leaving, and he said he said today in a tweet or something that he's looking forward to coming back a little more often, whatever. Uyghur. Oh, he's, he's that uh, absence it's, makes the heart grow fonder. Is that what he's trying it's, to do? It's me, not you. You know, that, <laughs> it's that kind of thing, right? That's <laughs> the Uyghur thing. So uh, we'll see if he actually comes back uh, or, or, or joins me more or not. But the, it threw me for a loop on scheduling. Like I was always used to, I could always not get guests and we could always just be Uyghur and I, and we could always talk for, you know, an hour about nothing. And, and so for the last, you know, I don't know, six, eight weeks, I haven't had that there. I haven't had them there for me. So it's been, well, you know, but now I'm booked. I'll be adding, you know, tech stuff to the house. So, okay. I may no. have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, well, we just may have to. I just may have to have you on, and we'll just vamp like uh, Weger and I did uh, to get you uh, uh, to, you know, just to fill some time. So, if you're okay with that, um, that was yeah. that was always our mo. Well, thanks for thanks for taking the the evening tonight and uh, and jumping in during vacation. Hang tight for me one second. Couple reminders on the way out. One again, if you wanna, if you haven't subscribed to Mars Podcast, head over to itbusinesspodcast.com. Get uh, subscribed to that and uh, and give it a few listens if you if you haven't listened to it yet, give it two or three and uh, I'm sure he'd love you to be a regular subscriber on that. We are live and yes, I have I'm scheduled out the next six weeks, so we'll be here the next six weeks. We're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv. I've got a bunch of brand new guests, folks you haven't ever met before that I've been trying a different podcast service just to get a few new voices and some old voices. Ed Sullivan is coming back. Aaron Lawrence will be back. Dan LeFebvre is coming back. So 
with some new and some old voices, and apparently Mars going to be on a little more often. And so you'll want to you'll want to just lock in. The, listen, my vacation's not yet, but my vacation's over here. By the time you're listening to this, well, yeah, July 5th, I got to go back to work. So I'm not retired like John Biggs where I can just do whatever I want. But uh, I'm back to work on the 5th. And we'll be live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out with the average guy TV slash live. To many of you Patreon supporters, longtime Patreon supporters, and supported me through my shenanigans over the last two months. Uh, thank you. Thanks for doing that. Appreciate you guys. It, uh, it helps. Every little bit helps. And we'll uh, we'll see you back here next week. Don't don't miss an episode, John. Now you know I'm here every six weeks. Don't miss an episode. We'll do it all again next week. With that, we'll say goodbye.